This morning, we're going to take just a few verses right in the middle of a lesson that we looked at last week out of Mark chapter 10. We're going to enter into four or five verses where Jesus, it almost looks like a timeout if you look at it. Jesus just stops. He does a little teaching. He gives us a lesson that I pray that we all, all can get as the Holy Spirit speaks to through him to us today and we as your, your, your vessel. But we want to turn in Mark chapter 10. Begin, we'll begin reading in verse 13. And it says, And they were bringing children to him so that he might touch them. But the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw this, he was indignant and said to them, Permit the children to come to me. Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it at all. And he took his, them in his arms and began blessing them, laying his hands on them. Every one of us here find places in our life that our life intersects with children. If you're a parent, you're seeing these children all the time. If you are a grandparent, your life is intersecting with grandchildren and maybe other people's children. If you are a brother or sister and you are, have no children, there is still a place your life is intersecting with children. We are seeing a place today, the Word of God says, it says that they were bringing children. This is they. I'm guessing this would have been dads and moms, maybe a few grandpas, maybe some others. It says they were bringing children to him so that he might touch them. Notice what they were doing. Uh, they were making the step to Jesus. He was teaching. Uh, Jesus was here a short time. He was going through Judea. They were making the step it took, bringing children to Jesus. And notice what they wanted from Jesus, that he would touch them. They had learned through Jesus' teaching, through his miracles, through his power, that it didn't take very much for Jesus to change people. And they were looking, saying, if Jesus could touch, just the touch. And they would say, here's my son. Here's my daughter. Here's my granddaughter. They but notice what happened. As they were doing this, the disciples rebuked them. They just stood back and says, this isn't the right time to bring people to Jesus. Maybe they could be saying, Jesus has more important things to do than to take time for children right now. There will be a time for the children. I'll tell you what Jesus told. But the word of God says, the disciples rebuked them. That means they were rebuking the theys those who were bringing the children to Jesus and the disciples were rebuking them and saying, don't do that. Don't do this. But when Jesus, verse 14, saw this, it says he was indignant. And that word speaks of righteous indignation. He was angry. This moved his spirit. He saw something here that just caught him. He was indignant and said to them, Permit the children to come to me and do, do not hinder them, 
for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. And here Jesus was saying, let those children come. You're saying children go away. We'll tell you another day. And Jesus is simply saying, let the children come to me. Don't forbid them or don't hinder them. That would be forbid, keep them away for the kingdom of God belongs to the, such as these. Now there's a couple com, uh, companion verses that we're going to look at. And one is in Matthew chapter 19, verses 13 and 14. Matthew being a tax collector, he runs a parallel passage to this. And Luke, we'll look at Dr. Luke after this, but Matthew said, then some children were brought to him so that he might may lay his hands on them and pray, and the disciples rebuked them. So we see the purpose now that he would lay his hands on them, more than touch, pray, they were rebuked. And Jesus said, let the children alone and do not hinder them from coming to me, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. So just another little window, Luke chapter 18 verses 15 through 17. And they were bringing even their babies to him so that he would touch them. But when the disciples saw it, they began rebuking them, theys again. But Jesus called for them saying, permit the children to come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God, like a child, will not enter in it at all. I think we all know this, that Jesus really loves children. He just loves them. I think there's a song that we've sang as, as, as a family, Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white, they're precious in his sight. Jesus loves the, the little children of the world. You know, right here at church, we are blessed and privileged to be able to make a place for the children. We have places like Awana, like you see on the screen, a place that children can come and learn more of Jesus. We want the children here at Calvary Chapel Surprise to come and hear of Jesus. Another place is at VBS. We want the children to be able to come and there they can hear about Jesus. We want to let the little children come. And in the weekly Bible classes and teachings that are going on throughout the school that some of you here in this audience are actively involved in and others of you can be involved because we always need people to be involved. There is this blessing of letting the little children come to Jesus, to reach out and bless. However, there's the Good News Club, another place in which we work where we can reach out and bless in the schools and help little children come to Jesus and, and let them grow and let them learn more. And Jesus here was speaking, and we are seeing the heart of Jesus in the middle of all of this somewhat in-depth teaching that Jesus is teaching lessons about the little children. We see on the screen Vincana in India, and this is his, the heart that God put in this young man. Go back and love the children. 
teach the children, let the little children come to Jesus. And this young man at 25, nine years old, sacrifices his life, his finances. It's the least that he can do because he wants the little children to come to Jesus. Then I think about another scene we don't have up here, but we have it throughout this building this morning. And it is the special place we call the Christian home where dads and moms are there doing what they can to help the children come to Jesus. Just whatever we can do to keep the pathway open, the road clear, the road to Jesus as clear as possible. And I know many of you dads and moms that are here today are saying, by God's grace, we want to do that. You know, a few days ago, I went down south along the South Mountain on my bike, and I was riding around, and it's amazing what's going on in the South Mountain. Coming off of the Highway 10 around the 51, or right around the 51 heading south is the new 202. And they're spending a lot of time building a new expressway that's going to benefit the valley. What they're doing in the South Mountain, unless you get off of the road and get up a ways, you won't even see it. But you got all kinds of earth movers, you got kinds of, all kinds of engineers, they're moving, because the goal is to keep the flow in this city moving smoothly and fluidly as the city continues to grow. And really, we've worked in many, many cities in our life, and this city, I've never seen a city quite like this, and I've had to work through the streets of the cities because of the nature of the work we've done. And I have not seen a city that has pre-planned so much to navigate the roads so far and so long and broad as I've seen within this city here of Phoenix, Arizona and the surrounding area. But you know, when I look at this, I think also of just the, as Jesus is speaking here and we'll get some other lessons, but he's saying, let the children come, don't forbid them. He's saying, do what you can to keep the freeway flowing, to keep the children coming to Jesus. And there's a lot of ways in which God asks us to be actively involved in this, and we'll see some of those, these in different ways, but where you can, back there in the South Mountain, guys are working that no one knows what they're even doing, but what they're doing is they're laying a foundation for a road that is essential for 202 to go around the city. Some of you are involved in that. You parents are involved through decision-making and planning and organization and decisions with your children. You are opening the door for the children to come to Jesus. And Jesus says, don't turn them away, for as such is the kingdom of heaven. Matthew gives another account in Matthew 21, verses 14 and 15. It says, and the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. And when the chief priests and, and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he had done, and the children who were shouting in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they became indignant and said to him, do you hear what these children are saying? And Jesus said to them, yes, have you never read out of the mouths of infants and nursing babies you have perfected praise for yourself? Have you noticed with me the amazing intersections that God brings in our life? with children. I remember one in our family, and I got Debbie's permission to share this with, with you, but uh, 
You ever notice that God oftentimes with children as parents and grandparents even, it's almost like he'll show us a mirror and he'll say, that's who you are. And I remember one time walking in, in home, coming in in the evening and Debbie said, I'm gonna call my mother and ask forgiveness. And I said, well, what are you gonna ask forgiveness for? And she says, well, it's because of something I saw today in one of my daughters. And God has a way of putting up a mirror And oftentimes when we are teaching children, God is teaching us. It's an amazing thing that happens. And and we don't realize it at the time. But as as Jesus was speaking here, and notice uh, as they brought them, and I think of the parents that were making the bold step, the grandparents, maybe it was just an uncle that cared. And they brought, and they, and when they brought the disciples, they took the rebuke, and then they took Jesus' response when he says, you permit the, the children to come to me. Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And Jesus is simply saying something here and saying, the king, you're looking beyond, it, you're not seeing yet what the kingdom of heaven is. You're missing it. Do you ever notice that how callous we can get as as human beings, and we get these layers on us. And we've, uh, one, of, one of you men here could be like this, like me sometimes. You've fought all these battles this week, and you've had all these tug of wars, and you went through all these conflicts, and now God says, let the little children come to me. And what was happening with the disciples, they were missing the children. They didn't want them there, and I believe probably most of us could speak of some time when God spoke to us and we didn't either. But God has an amazing way of bringing intersections with children. Remember, we've been looking through teaching of Jesus and often how he teaches deeper, broader, higher, longer. It goes beyond what we foresee. And if you look in verse 15 with me of our text this morning, Jesus says, truly I say to you, Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter at all. He's saying, if you want God's blessing, it's not them being the children. He's asking that you are like a child receiving the blessing of God. You know, this Letting the little children come doesn't just happen. Now, there's a battle going on in our culture today. Someone else wants your children, guaranteed. There is someone racing for your children. They've got the media. They've got educators. They've got all kinds of connections. And the battle out there for your for every child that's here is ferocious. The enemy doesn't play fair. He comes in the back door He is grappling for your children, but this has always been the case, always. Even back in in Deuteronomy chapter six, I want us to look at how Moses gave specific instructions in verse four to the parents. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. These words which I am commanding you today shall be in your heart. 
You shall teach them diligently to your sons. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house. And when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. And Jesus, as he's speaking of this, says, we want the children to have access to Jesus. You notice as you travel down the 303 today, for a while you just came down to the Highway 10 and there was a 303 and it stopped. But now you just look, there's now 303 South. Because people are working ahead of us to build a connection that's vitally important for the sustenance of this valley. Someone is there investing time. And I give this to you as parents to think of, is God calls parents, God, Christian parents, godly parents, to, to invest the time today that it takes. Here's another verse in Psalms 78, one through four. One of you here said to always say them twice, so this is twice. Psalms 78, one through four. Listen, O my people, to my instruction. David speaking. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known. Our fathers have told us we will not conceal them from their children, but will tell to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wondrous works that he has done. Notice God's vision as David is speaking. It is to go on multi-generational. We are here as the church of Christ today because someone generations back often believed. And they passed the gospel of Jesus Christ down to today through faith to faith, heart to heart, heart to heart. And it begins often with children. Just a little seed, a little plant, a little act of kindness, a little demonstration of love an expression of care, an expression of compassion, and God begins to work. You know, a lot of times we miss what teaching is. We look for, if I can just get all the right books. I had a very good friend, have a very good friend that uh, worked with for many years in Washington and in church planning and also school, Christian school planting. But one of the things that always caught me was his parents. His dad was a very simple guy just did real simple jobs, and, and yet the kids just loved Jesus. I just tell you, the kids radiated Jesus, and all comes their kids, they radiate Jesus. And one day I asked him, now he's a missionary in China, been there 20 years, and we were working in China one day, and I said, tell me what was the secret with your father? And he says, you know, I really can't say for sure, but dad loved God. And he says, we would go up into the Sierra Nevadas every year and take a backpack trip. They lived in just out of Sonora, uh, California. We'd go up there. And he says, dad would gather all the children together. And they would all come to one place and dad would pick a flower. And he would hold that flower up. And he says, I want all you children to see this flower. And I want you to know something very important. God alone can do this. Many times as parents, we, we think, well, we just need the right pastor and that'll be okay if we could get the right people teaching. 
And I just want to give this to you to think about that, Dad and Mom, when the Word of God is in your heart, that you're the greatest teacher those children are ever going to have. You see, the Word is not just taught. The Word is caught. And children are watching not only for how the Word is taught, but they're also looking for how the Word is caught. Just the little dribblings, because they're trying to understand truth, but truth, in order to be understood, must be lived. It's the expression of the truth. It's the hands and feet of what truth really is. And here Jesus is just simply saying, let the children come to me and don't forbid them of such as the kingdom of heaven. You know, these intersections are amazing. And even today, you see where the disciples came and intersected with Jesus and children. It was a couple of weeks ago, we went, I was going and taking a short flight out of Phoenix to Northern, Northern Arizona, and I coming, coming through the airport through the, in, in uh, number two, and I was going past Alaska Airlines, and I looked, and there was a mother with like four little children, and a couple of the children were holding these little skateboards, and they were crying. And I walked up to them, and I, I was on the way, and I, I could tell they were Native Americans, and I found out they were from Barrow, Alaska. And I said, What's, do you, are those your skateboards? And then the one little girl was still on hers there. She was really good. They were those powered guys. And they said, the airline will not let us take it to Barrow. And we have no family here. We came from Yuma, Arizona. We have no family here. And I said, so I asked the gate agent, can you pack this in some way? She says, no, because it is considered a dangerous thing. We cannot ship that internationally or nationally. And they stood there, and the little girl, one of the little girls distinctly was crying. Tears were coming down. Her cheeks, probably eight or nine years old. And it hit us. You know, I had a, I had a flight to catch. Short, short flight, but a flight to catch. And here was God's intersection with me. So we worked on a little deal with them and ended up buying the skateboards, okay? And we asked, but she... I told the mother, said, I can't, in Barrow, you can't buy a skateboard like that. But she turned to the children, if I get you something else. And so we ended up and just, and those little children immediately began to glow and gleam. And we were able to bless them in the name of the Lord. And I would guess, uh, native as they were, they probably haven't heard much about Jesus. But we were able to bless them a little bit. But God puts intersections in our lives. It's amazing the places he will take and put an intersection. Now, I'll tell you, I, I'm just going to tell you what happened. A brother walks out the door and hands me some money and took care of half the skateboard. So I'm not here to, it was just amazing. God moved in his heart last service. But what, what's amazing with this is how God works through children to teach us lessons. You know, a lot of times as parents and grandparents, we see ourselves as the teacher, don't we? And even here, Jesus was saying, take time out. Look out. We're going to take time out for the children. And we're going to get a lesson, a simple but profound lesson from the children. It is so easy to miss this. Pretty soon, Christianity gets complex. And our trials get complex. And all of a sudden, here comes the heart of a child. And they're just so happy and joyful and radiant. 
But there it still takes this, as Jesus said, I want you to let those children come and don't forbid them. Permit them to come to me. Keep the flow open of the children to me. Whatever that means, whatever sacrifice God calls dads and moms and grandpas and grandmas and uncles and aunts and cousins and relatives to do, keep that flow open for me. In Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, we see teaching by the Apostle Paul in 6, 1 through 4, where he says, children, now he's speaking to the children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with, with a promise that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Fathers, it's saying, make a commitment. But you know, I come back to that children and think, maybe that's bigger than just these little guys. Maybe that's speaking to us that are a little bit older to always honor our parents, and there will be a blessing. Maybe you're like me, you're in your 60s, and you've got parents in their upper 80s, and maybe God is saying, honor your parents. But notice this, as Jesus is saying this, he said, do not provoke you, bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Now notice where the disciples were, because what happens often with good Christian people is we start shooting over the top of children. I remember an old pastor that stayed with Deb and I for several weeks that I gleaned so much from many years ago, had a comment that I, I was always blessed by his teaching and one thing he said is, John, don't ever forget, if you keep the message down where the lambs can get it, the sheep will get it too. And that's true with all of us. Sometimes God takes us back like he's done to me in this passage and says, use the kiss method, keep it simple, saint. Keep it simple. So today it's pretty simple. But I think you'll notice with me, as you look at this, it goes deeper. Jesus is teaching deeper. He's, he's looking further than this. And I think we'll look at this in verse 15 when Jesus says, truly I say unto you, who does not, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter into it all. He's saying, don't lose your childlike heart. Don't lose that tenderness and transparency and genuineness and authenticity that a child brings in your home. Many times God just does that with us. You know, I, I read about this little guy that was in a spelling bee and he was just coming down to the runners up and the teacher asked him, he says, well, I want you to spell love. And the little, little guy goes, T-I-M-E. And the teacher says, no, I, I said love. Love. He said T-I-M-E. Love, often with children, is spelled by time. Several years ago, I read an account of three fathers after Christmas that were talking about what they had given their children for Christmas and just sharing on the job and one father said, well, we were really blessed this year. And 
What we were finally able to do is we were able to give our child a certificate that guaranteed his education all the way through college, and we are so thankful. And another parent was there, another, another dad, and he said, well, we, we were blessed, but what we did is we gave our child a bicycle in which he would be able to ride, and it last him several years, and we were blessed to be able to give a bicycle. And the third father was there, and he was kind of uh, quieter, and he said, it's, they, someone said, well, what did you give? And he said, well, it was a tougher year. We, didn't, we weren't able to give what we wanted to give, and I prayed about it, and finally I wrote a little note. And in that note, I gave it to my son and said, dear son, by the grace of God this year, I want to give you 15 minutes each day of my undivided time your father. Many years ago, God had us teaching in Modesto, California, about 10 years. I taught there as a young pastor. Church was over week after week, and here came this little guy up the aisle. He'd come and sit beside me at a little bench I would sit on sometimes. He'd plop down beside me, and he would just simply give me a little note of what the message had meant to him. The guy started doing it when he was about four or five years old, and the note then was stick men and crosses and mountains. And six and seven, and the notes matured like a little boy would do. And 10, and now the notes were still coming from this little guy. He lives in Wasilla, Alaska today. And about 12 years old, God called us out of there to go up to the Pacific Northwest to be involved in a church planning that we'd spend the next 25 years of our ministry. You know, telling the people where your great-grandfather founded a church goodbye isn't easy. That's what it was. He came there in 1907. But th that wasn't the hardest thing. The church cleared out. It was about this many people, a few more, and Back at the door, there was exit doors like this, and I looked, and back there was that little guy. Now he's about 12, and he stands there, and everyone's out of the church, and I'll never forget what he said. He just come up, and he said, I'm gonna miss you. I love your, your preaching. I love you so much. And he reached out and hugged me. That's what I remembered of everything that people said goodbye. That's what I remembered. You see, this is what the Lord does, though. He takes us to this place. The story of the little guy was, it was 20 years later, probably, we were able to marry that little guy. And the odd thing was, not only were we able to marry the little guy, but he, we were able to marry him to a gal who had lived with us seven years teaching a Christian school, and God brought those two together, and they were committed to single life, and God just did it. And today, they're ministering up in Wasilla, Alaska. But God has an amazing way of working and he asks us, though, here, if you look at this, uh, he, he says, let those little children come. Notice Jesus in verse 14. He was actually indignant. He was actually, there was a spiritual uh, anger here. It caught Jesus because he saw that if the children are pushed away, there will be no church someday. The church is a children are the next church. It is the children we hand truth off to, one generation to the other. And, 
And here as Jesus spoke, and he was indignant, and he says, I want you to permit, actively let those children go through. Don't hold them back for as such. This is where the kingdom of heaven is. And then he says, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like this child won't enter it. And then notice what Jesus did. This is such a beautiful about Jesus. He took them in his arms and began blessing them and laying his hands on them. Notice Jesus had time for children. But I want us to look at the sequence. Jesus spoke first about becoming like the little child, and then he speaks about blessing. We really can't bless unless our hearts are like children. The door of blessing gets closed in our lives, whether it's through love or prayers or whatever. And even today, as we were singing that song, find me at the feet of Jesus, or you're a good, good father. God takes us back that place. The heart needs to be open. And what happens is it's not the little children, but it's us like children coming now to the feet of Jesus. And Jesus loves to see that. You know, one of our, one of our daughters, our oldest daughter, we would go one, every time, when we lived in California, every year we'd go up to Sacramento about 70 miles away along the Interstate 80 and we would eat at this restaurant. And it was the one place we went and it was nice. It was one of those places that all the white tablecloths were set and you walked in and some of you know what it's like where you just hardly raise your voice in your conversation because you don't want to disturb the person next to you. That's what it was like. But our little daughter loved to sing, and she just poured out her heart in singing all the time, and she plopped down. We had no babysitter that night. So there she was, and she just began to sing, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. And as a parent, you're struggling between this, I've never stopped this before, to what are they thinking over here, right? You understand what we're going through. And pretty soon she got done singing, and was like, praise the Lord, here comes the meal, it's all over. But what causes me to remember the story probably isn't even that. It's that there was this old woman that got up, and she had an old staff in her hand. It was like an old cane. And she was bent over, and she comes walking towards the exit door. And she stopped at her table, and she says, I just thank God so much for that little girl singing that song. She says, I recently lost my husband. And it was so hard to be here, but to hear the singing to Jesus here has done so much for me. You see, when Jesus speaks about little children coming, they're not just touching us, they're touching other people. They're touching people where they probably would never be touched in the hard, cold, survival world that surrounds us. And when Jesus said, let those little children come and don't turn them away, it was so important. He says, let the flow of Jesus come to the children. They will bless and bless and bless. And you even see what Jesus did. He took them in their arms. He blessed them. But what's it, what are they going to do? They're going to go out and bless others because that's what God does with those that are blessed. It just multiplies and goes in different places. 
If you look in Isaiah 39 on the screen, one through four, I want to just for a moment look at Hezekiah, who was quite a king, really, one of the great kings of the Bible in Judah. But he was right in the kingdom at the time the kingdom of Israel was going into captivity. The Assyrians were fighting and beating on the door. They were trying to overcome Hezekiah and his kingdom, and they were doing it. But Hezekiah, he served 29 years, but the first 14 years, he did a lot of good. But then God brought a little judgment. His heart moved from him, and God told Hezekiah, you set your house in order. You're going to live, die, and not live. And the word of God says Hezekiah repented. He turned to God. He turned from, he called the people back from idolatry even more than he had before. And God had mercy and said, Hezekiah, I'm going to extend your life 15 years because of that. And what we're reading is the extension when he had a visit, a vi a visit some, from some very important people in Isaiah 39, verses 1 through 4. And it says, At that time, Merodach, Baladan, son of Baladan, king of Babylon, sent letters and a present to Hezekiah, for he heard that he had been sick and had recovered. Hezekiah was pleased and showed them all his treasure house, the silver and the gold and the spices and the precious oil and his whole armory and all that was found in his treasuries. There was nothing in his house nor in all his dominion that Hezekiah did not show them. Nothing. Then Isaiah the prophet came to King Hezekiah and said to him, what did these men say and from where have they come to you? And Hezekiah said, they have come to me from a far country, from Babylon. And he, Isaiah said, what have they seen in your house? So Hezekiah answered, they have seen all that is in my house. There is nothing among my treasuries that I have not shown them. Hezekiah had been blessed and preserved by God for 15 years and he had the opportunity to share the greatest blessing in his life, which was God's blessing, and he turned to his house. And he missed the blessing of God. Those words can just ring sometimes in my ears. What have they seen in your house? Your house. And that king said, "You're going. The end. The Babylonians will come. They'll take you captive. Your your children captive, Hezekiah. And there will be great suffering." But Hezekiah had a moment. He failed. I give this to you this morning, because when we're talking about the children coming to Jesus, you've got just one moment. If you are a parent here this morning, you will be amazed at how quickly every one of those children are gone. They will be gone out the door, and you'll look and watch your daughter or your son walk up or down an aisle, and you'll say, where did the years go? We sang a song as a family that said, we have this moment to hold in our hands and to touch it as it slips like our fingers through our fingers like sand, and yesterday's gone. Tomorrow may never come, but we have this moment today. Today, this is what we've got. This is our moment. And where God puts something in any heart here, 
When he stirs our heart, he brings it into our mind. It's for today. Whatever that means, however that means. Matthew 18, verses 1 through 6. We're still thinking about letting those little children come, but we're also thinking about something else, a parallel teaching here. Let's, let's become like little children. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and said, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And he called a child to himself and set him before them and said, truly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become like children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever then humbles himself as this child, he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for him to have a heavy millstone hung around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. Recognize how much Jesus treasured children. He loved them. He cherished them. 